Hi, this is Ken Rigoda, renowned English handbell player and iconic Napa Valley winemaker. As director of winemaking here at Judd's Hill, I've got Judd busy punching down the Pinot Noir, so I'm introducing this episode. Oh, Ken, it's so warm and it smells mm, so delicious. Yeah, yeah, sure, Judd. Back to work. You'll be hearing from a couple of fine fellows who make the all-important wine barrels. Phil Burton is a great Napa Valley character who's been here making barrels for over 40 years. Julian Ito is the director of French barrel maker Marchive, and the two of them together make quite an entertaining team. Before we get to the show, I'd like to invite you to come see me and Judd here at Judd's Hill Winery. We'll show you a good time among the vines here on the south end of Silverado Trail. Visiting information can be found at Judd'sHill.com. While on our website, be sure to explore the recipes, poetry, and fun videos. Judd has made me a star in his Judd's Enormous Wine Show web series, so be sure to take a look at those entertaining videos. Be sure to put some wine in your shopping cart, too. As a special treat for you as a listener, type in coupon code JNVS at checkout and get 15% off your entire wine order. For an even better deal, sign up for Judd's Hill Wine Club. It's free to join and you'll get all of our wines with my personal guarantee that I've sniffed every barrel and tasted every tank so that every bottle will be delicious. You'll also get invitations to great events and plenty of other perks. Plenty of good times for sure. Now, on with the show. Ken, I just want to I just want to jump right into this. Well, maybe later, Judd. But I've got my trunks on. Uh... Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show, on Judd's Napa Valley Show, Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the 1440 KVON studio in the beautiful Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show is back on the air. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Finkelstein. Good morning, Lauren Mole. How are you, sir? Top of the day, Judd. Top of the day. What's happening in the world of Lauren? I like that. I like that introduction, man. You were um, back on the air because we did. We had a couple weeks off. It's nice to be back. Nice to see you. You're looking well. Oh, thank you. What's the latest? Well, I just got done seeing a Lucky Penny Productions. Uh, yeah, pr- uh, production of Oliver at the at the new uh, Performing Arts Center. I'm going this weekend, so don't give me any spoilers, but how was the experience? Yeah, it's it's on an industrial way. But, uh, man, it went great. We had such a wonderful time. Oh, good, good. They always Cat- do great productions, and I can't wait to see the new space over there. Oh, yeah. Cast and crew was absolutely wonderful. Good to hear. I, I, I'm really excited about their new community arts center because they have space for their performing arts. There's going to be vi- uh, visual arts, uh, music, all kinds of arts are going to be happening there. And, and people can discover and learn and experience. It's it's a really cool thing for the community. It's Thank a beautiful, you, Lucky. Beautiful right. venue. Yeah. Have you been oh, over yes. there, Phil? Yeah. Um, we haven't introduced you yet, but you're feel free to okay, talk. Well, it's okay. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. That's fine. Jump I'll, in. I'll back them up. It's, a, it's a great facility and, and uh, just the, worthy of the valley. And it'll be a lot of fun to see the productions and the events going on there. Wonderful. I oh, really yeah. can't wait. Going this weekend. Yep. Actually, I think. I think my wife got us tickets for Super Bowl Sunday. We'll be <laughs> we'll be watching Oliver, which is I don't really have anything at stake with either team, so yeah, fine by me. Might as well just go see something I'm going to enjoy. Probably more than watching the game at this point. You can watch the game on rerun. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and I understand like almost all of the or actually all of their performances are either sold out or at almost 100% capacity, including Super Bowl Sunday. There might be tickets left, cool. but I would encourage people to look. Anyway, it's it's cool. it's. The community's excited. It's great. Yeah, and support the Valley. It's really important. I couldn't agree with you more. It's why we do this show, keeping it local. Let folks know what's going on. Show that we've got intriguing, provocative people and events and all kinds of great things happening in Napa Valley. That's right. Indeed. And me, I don't know. What's new with me? You gave me that look. (laughs) Yeah, what's what's, uh, new with you, Judd? (laughs) Well, thank you for asking me. Uh, you know, it, it's just been, um, I've missed being here. You know, had those couple weeks off for various reasons. You know, the um, little vacation and a little bug was going around that everybody seemed to catch. Mm. But happy to be back. 
I do have something I want to talk about that's happening at the winery. Oh, sure. Go ahead, Judd. Yeah, over at Judd's Hill, we're having our annual Valentine's. Actually, this, this year it's a pre-Valentine's Day party. It's happening February 8th. That's a Sunday from noon to 2.30 over at the winery. And it's going to be fun. There's going to be wines, of course, all kinds of treats, massages. You know, you can come in and get a nice shoulder rub. Uh, not from me. We actually have professional uh, <laughs> massage therapists are going to be there. And it's going to be fun. It's it's free for our wine club members to attend. But anybody is welcome. It's $45 otherwise to come. And if you'd like to come to our pre-Valentine's Day party at Judd's Hill, conveniently located one mile north of Trancas on the Silverado Trail, just email our wine club director, Cindy Friedman. And her email is cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at judshill.com and come join us and please note folks that is a 24-hour website absolutely you can email her any time of day don't expect her to get back to you at like two in the morning but at a, at a decent hour she will respond lauren yes judd as we already know we have we they're, they're, we have a show i'm not gonna well, give too much yes. away i was about to i was about to say some stuff that might spoil the surprise well that's because we're on well, the air right now i know we have a show and i would like you to introduce the show if uh, you wouldn't mind Who's on the show today? I hope no one too sterile. Take a while to guess who's here. Make a leap and face perils. A pirate? A beggar? A quartet to sing carols? Perhaps it's our friend Larry and his two brothers Daryl. Maybe it's trained dogs or some kitty cat ferals. Nope, better yet, we've got two guys who make barrels. Oh, right. <laughs> you like well that? Well done. That's the best intro I've ever had. You know what? I'd say 100% of the people sitting here say that about Lauren's intro. That's wonderful. But we didn't give your names. We have Uncle Phil Burton of Barrel Builders Napa Valley here. And we have Julian Itos, director of Marchive, the famous French barrel company. Correct. You are both here with us. And we're going to talk a little bit. We can talk about all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about barrels. We can talk about... He mentioned pirates in his intro. We yeah, can talk about pirates, Phil. I know you know a little bit about pirates. Uh, well, we did the pirate ship. Uh, what Last year, we uh, built a pirate ship, or the Judd's crew did, and uh, we sailed it in McCovey Cove during the Pirates game and attacked <laughs> McCovey Cove. We got some good time on the Jumbotron out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. That was so fun, and I was so appreciative of your enthusiasm for that. Yeah, we, we got... We got a barrel ship, well, a pirate ship made out of wine barrels. A local artist and builder here, David Hopp, put the thing together with you as a consultant because of your expertise with barrels and <laughs> boats. You know, you're, you have a boating background. Then we launched this thing into McCovey Cove during a Giants Pirates game with our wine pirate, Captain Wiley Raven. And then you got in the water yourself as his in-water support crew on your kayak and followed him around making sure. Just in sure. case. Just in yeah, case. he did have a life preserver on, but just in case. There was a clip from the national broadcast of that game and it's still up I think at MLB.com uh, one of their highlights where between pitches they they cut to our pirate in the boat and the bilge pump is just working overtime squirting water out of a wine bottle looks like a water cannon mm -hmm. which is a cool effect but it really was saving him one of the announcers says something like that looks like it's about eight ounces from sinking <laughs> <laughs> it was too <laughs> I think it was poor guy but he was a big hit, and I actually was hoping we'd talk about this, so I put up photos on our Judd's Hill Facebook page this morning. So if anybody out there is listening and you're on Facebook, go to uh, the Judd's Hill page, and you'll see photos of what we're talking about right now. And it wouldn't have happened without the great support of uh, Phil Burton. Thank you. Uh, well, you know, from my point of view, that when uh, Judd's father... Judd's parents built Whitehall Lane Winery many, many years ago. You know, we became close friends then, and I watched Judd grow up. And now, ah. of course, things have changed. Judd's the Judd's the honcho down there and stuff, and it's been just fun. Close family and a wonderful, wonderful family to be associated with. Well, thank you. Vice the verse, you know, takes one to know one, as they say, and I, I appreciate that. We've kind of been through this all together throughout the years. Speaking of throughout the years, should we go back and talk about how you got into barrel building and then we'll talk to julian and find out how he got sure. into barrels and yeah. all yeah this. Uh, barrel builders was started in 72 back yeah. you know robert mondavi was one of the first to start bringing in european oak barrels french oak barrels for use in wine production here in a valley and i don't and this is 70 you know about 1970 i don't know how many wineries there were in the valley back then but i bet you could count them on fingers and toes yeah and he did that and in those days 
They used to bring. They used to partially assemble the barrels, then knock them down to save space and ship them over. And then when they got here, the barrels would be put back together and finished and tested. Mm. And so to that end, one of the cooperages they were working with, I think it was Nadalia. Anyway, anyway, um, but they brought it. They brought over one of their coopers to train a couple of the Mandavi employees how to do this work, how to work on barrels. And a guy named Skip Lane, Don Surplus, and. Uh, Keith Roberts, who went on to fame as a cooper on his own right, started doing this, learned how to make barrels, and then not being dummies, they thought, you know, wait, this has a broader market than just this. So they quit Mandavi and started Barrel Builders. Okay. 40, 40, 40 years ago. A couple of years ago. 43 years ago. And then I had been working with the San Diego County Juvenile Probation System, running a pilot project on taking juvenile offenders out on backpack trips, wilderness trips. And do that. And at the end of the first year, we had a big dinner for our success cases. You know, no recidivism, two successful trips. And Jerry Brown was governor the first time. We had a, just a wonder, wonderful time there. And the circuit court judges and the mayor of San Diego and a bunch of purses got stolen at the dinner. Oh, my goodness. So they canceled They canceled <laughs> the plan. And I was sort of headed with a couple other instructors up to get lost in Alaska. So, wait, this was that was the end of that program? That was the end and of the, the end program. Of you, wait a minute. You said this was for, the, for people... On good behavior, without recidivism. Well, juvenile offenders who were actually keeping their noses clean uh, since. Until? Until the party when somebody saw some purses. Oh, dear. But anyway, I made it up to Napa Valley and, and thought, this looks nice. And uh, so come up here with no money with my girlfriend and uh, tossed around, tried to get barrel builders to give me a job. Actually, Steve Bertolucci was the winemaker at Sutter Home before mm. the Trincaro thing started. And I lived in a tent in his yard for... Wow. Weeks and then uh, Roger Trincaro, just uh, you know, heir is now president, I believe, of Trincaro and stuff. <laughs> I uh, lived on his couch for a while too. Really? So I was in in a Boothay Park for a couple. Of, I believe Dawnine when she was here talked about staying in Boothay Park because yeah, it was the did. cheapest place to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they finally and were gave in that me a job well. and uh, been there ever since. No so. kidding! Wow. So. It was just by luck. You didn't have this uh, burning desire to be a barrel builder from the get-go. You were a, a nautical guy. You were into yeah, boats. Yeah, I, and... I had grown up around wood hull boats. I went to a naval prep academy uh, mm-hmm. for high school, and so sailing was required. Naval science was required, and so, and I had some pretty good knowledge of working with wood hulls. Mm-hmm. And so it's been fun. Incidentally, the boys at Smith Madrone just bought a 42-footer Hatteras, and it's all wood. Is that a boat or a barrel? It's a big boat. Okay. It's a big boat. Twin diesels and stuff, but it's going to take a lot of work. So that's my. It's going to be my new project to work with those guys. Oh, how fun. How fun. Yeah. So barrels, I mean, almost seems like a natural Well, that's what I, I thought, you know, yeah. and, and my dad had a wood shop. Okay. And so I worked, I've been around wood and tools my whole life, so it just seemed pretty easy to fall into this. So... Very nice. And you and were there since, since 19... 1974. 74. Dwayne, it was 74, not 75. Oh, okay. Dwayne Wall, my old boss there and stuff, he assures me it's 75, but things are a little fuzzy back then, but I think I'm right. Well, you've got the microphones. So you can say whatever <laughs> you <true>. want. <laughs> and uh, now you own the place. Now I own the place. In 1986, <laughs> what happened was we were the original Cooperage. If you wanted barrels, European oak barrels, you either knew somebody in Europe or you came to Barrel Builders. Any owners, no fault of theirs. They got a little lax and all this stuff. And then a competition came in and blindsided them. Mm. I mean, today, for instance, there's got to be 80 different cooperages, I bet, represented here in California. And with the concurrent stuff, winemaker fatigue of, you know, saying no and no. So when they came in, the owners got a little tired. So in 86, five of us employees bought the company from the owners. And then I bought out my last partner in 1990. And now it's just so. you. And now it's just me. I well, had one of your. If it wasn't for a great staff, I wouldn't be here. Well, so. sure, sure. I had one of your former colleagues in here a little while back because he just wrote a book about the history of barrels, Henry uh, Henry yeah. Work. And that was really interesting, getting a little bit of background on how barrels have been used throughout the ages, maybe where they came from. But now we're going to talk about why they're important and, and why we use them. And Julian, you know, very odd. A, a, a guy from all the way in France. I mean, how did you get involved in wine being from France? That seems so strange. <laughs> so strange. Uh, no, I don't think no. so. No, no, I'm kidding. I know it's a joke. Okay, no. <laughs> I try to be serious. Yes. Go ahead. Like the French are. This no. is a very serious show, as you can already tell. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, what yeah. happened to you? Are you from I, wine I'm country? From, I'm from Bordeaux. Oh, well, there you go. So Bordeaux uh, is uh, the city, one of the city of wine. Of course. Uh, known mainly for this. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering when I was young uh, what I could do in my uh, future life. And I s- started to, to think, okay, what I like. Uh, I like uh, cooking. I like eating. <laughs> okay, so I far like so good. <laughs> going into the forest to hunt the mushrooms. I like oh. hunting also. I like the nature and the attending things. And so I said, okay, I want to to sell some things. And uh, wine appears to me like an evidence, like uh, something natural. Sure. So I did a few studies in uh, in my city, in Bordeaux, to become um, a specialist is a big word, but, <laughs> but <laughs> kind, are, kind right? of. And then uh, I, I, I fell also in love with the, with the product, with the, with the barrel. Uh, because the barrel also um, allowed me to to be in contact not only with the wine buyers but with the people who do the wine the winemakers which was the the most interesting thing to me uh, so that's why I, I, I managed to find a first position in another cooperage uh, and then uh, for Marchive uh, Marchive cooperage or Marchive Tonnellerie for uh, nine years uh, now you've been there nine years yeah and that's my first time in California so I'm really happy and excited about uh, discovering the, the region the winemakers uh, and everything this is your first time a radio in. show so it's, oh, right it's, on. it's amazing to me well, welcome <laughs> to California what <laughs> thanks what brought you to town? Is it because there's the uh, big symposium about to happen here? Or yeah. is it just about time you got here and saw what was happening? Or what, what brought you here? What, sorry, what? What brought you here to California this trip? Uh, very, very important to me. Just uh, to get here? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I just arrived two days ago. I've been across the uh, Napa Valley with, uh, with Phil. To the mountains was the name of the mountains we've been yesterday. Yeah, the Mike Well, Smith, but we were Smith Padrone and Williams yeah. Vineyard. A couple uh, of our clients. Beautiful up there in Spring Mountain. Mountain. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, very beautiful and uh, and amazing. But I was very eager to come here. Uh, I've been to New York uh, three years ago with mm-hmm. my with my wife. Sure, she's listening to to us <laughs> now. <laughs> so I, I say hi yeah, to this her. Is I shall not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and after New York, I wanted to see the California. Those was the two main places in the U.S. where. I wanted to go first, and now it's the second, so I'm still very excited. <laughs> Good. I, I, I hope that we can live up to your expectations here. Okay, so let's go off topic then. You're here, you're in the wine business, you're sitting in Napa Valley right yeah. now. Are you going to get outside of this and just do some tourist things? You know, what, what, what about California? What else do you want to see besides wine? What uh, excites you? San Francisco. Uh, also, I want to. I'm gonna be there next weekend uh, mm-hmm. on my own to to visit to uh, uh-huh. have a look in a few uh, few places I want to. Uh, yeah, like where, where do you want to see? There are so many. Of course, the the bridge when you go to San Francisco, you know the Golden Gate Bridge is uh, very famous. When gotta you go walk to across. Paris, you go to Eiffel Tower. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> here is the bridge. <laughs> but also, the, I want to live in a way there. Um, to feel the, how people live in different uh, suburbs inside the, the city, the uh, Mexican Quarter, the Chi- Chinatown, the Castro also, and many places like this to, to feel the, the power of the, of the place. Great, I'm great. sure many people told me San Francisco is an uh, amazing city, crazy city, so I want to feel that. Yeah, all of the above. Amazing, crazy, yeah. fun, yeah. Uh, sophisticated, gritty. Mm-hmm. It's got everything. And yeah. great food. So since you say you like to eat, all those neighborhoods, you're, you're yeah. going to eat well. Cool. That's well, we're we're going to get home from the show on Thursday evening, the Unified Wine Show in Sacramento. And tell them where we're going on Friday. Oh, on Friday. Oh. On Friday, we go, uh, we go to San Francisco with Phil because there's uh, the Union of Classified Growth of Bordeaux oh. uh, who introduces uh, the wine from Bordeaux. Uh, in uh, in a hotel in 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 San Francisco. How fun! Um, we're gonna taste a few Bordeaux wines, so that's a bit weird for me <laughs> to be here. Come to California <laughs> and drink Bordeaux wines. Yeah, and see my customers, uh, my my Bordeaux customers here. Uh, it's a bit strange, but it's uh, it's funny also. That's I like this this kind of things. Well, good timing. And You'll be uh, the expert in the room. Yeah, We're, uh, I just had a strange experience. I'm actually going to Bordeaux for mm-hmm. my. I've never been to France. Okay, but next year uh-huh. I'm going to do one of these winemaker cruises, and I think it's the funniest thing. The cruise company reached out. And they want to have a Napa Valley winemaker mm-hmm. cruise. You know, pour our Judd's Hill Napa Valley wines yeah. and pair them with food, and have me talking about. Napa Valley and our winemaking and traditions here, mm-hmm. 
in Bordeaux. <laughs> See, so it seems funny. Like you're coming here to yeah. California to drink Bordeaux wines, and I'm going there to bring yeah. <laughs> to show California. Wine. It just, you know, I think most people on a cruise. Well, yeah. Who knows? I'm not going to second guess. I'm just going to say yes. Thank you. I'll be oh, there in a heartbeat. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'll be there. The yeah, world of you wine probably won't get tongue tied either. I think they're they're making a good choice here. <laughs> oh, I can speak, but I can't speak French. So I'm hoping that folks on the on the boat will have a good <laughs> command of English because my command of I know about one phrase, and that's about it. I'm already working on my phrase book. I've gotten about this far. Well, I'm brushing up on all my obs- French obscenities now. Just for the, <laughs> okay. the people yeah, who won't, well, give just, us, won't give us a visit while, while Julian's here. We'll have to have a study session before I go. <laughs> well, you know, Jed, I hope you, yes, I Lord. wish you the best of luck on the cruise, but just make sure you don't get seasick, okay? I hope not. It's, yeah, I it's hope supposed you, to be calm. It's a, river, it's a river cruise, uh-huh. so I don't know how turbulent. It doesn't move too much. Yeah. It's very stable. Okay, good. Well, then, bon voyage. Well, <laughs> muchas gracias, as they say. <laughs> oh, we can, sure. oh, we can also, we can also make the joke, right? If you go swimming, you'll be insane. Oh! <laughs> I love it. You are always good on the puns. All right, I'm writing that one down. Hold on. All right, so you guys are here. Yeah. You're going to be making the rounds, talking to people about wine, about barrels, how Marchive barrels are, of course, the greatest barrels in the world. <laughs> of because course. that's what you want to tell people. Oh, yes. Should we start talking about why that might be? You want to talk a little? Go ahead. Let's talk about sure. how you guys form this partnership. I mean, you're here in Napa Valley, yeah, we just, a barrel builder. You're in France. Uh, what's what's happening? How well, did you guys get to together? Do, just to do, I've been working with Marchive for 20-some-odd years now. And so we get – and I like to bring the director over once or twice a year. The the thought being, first, it's grip and grin, of course. You know, yeah. you, it's the fun aspect of going around and playing. But more important is winemakers can say, you know, I really like your barrels, but I'd like to see more spice. Or, you know, it's a little heavy on the toast. I'd like to back off and get a little more of the fruit forwardness or something like that. And then so we can talk with Julian and sort of fine-tune the barrels and that. And then there's, of course, the odd person who says, you know, I had this taste out of the barrel last year, and I don't want it again. And we can also... You know, try to fix things that that you know aren't perfect either. So that's really why he's here now. But he's the he's the wood guy, so he should be the one talking here. <laughs> okay. Well, well, how did you guys meet up though? I mean, you're here in Napa Valley selling barrels and making barrels, and yeah, as I said, I've been working with Marshiv now but for just, for decades. But it's and, because and, you liked Marshiv. I'm just curious how the initial contact was made. We used to set, represent uh, some other barrels. Mm. Um, and do that. And we finally parted company for a variety of reasons. And Marshiv was available and looking for someone to represent them oh, here okay. in the state. So it was just sort of a mutual thing. I needed, I was looking for someone at the same time. So it worked gotcha. out well. And maybe also because the, um, the speech was seducing uh, as, <laughs> mom, as we are, uh, <laughs> we are a, a rather um, small uh, boutique cooperage, I mm-hmm. would say, uh, um, more artisanal than industrial. And I, maybe that's some that is something that uh, yeah. you were uh, happy with also. Now working with a big, big company, uh, we are small and we are close to uh, to uh, what Phil can uh, ask uh, us, as he said before, and so we can respond very quickly and yeah. the best. Um, well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Phil, I've known you a long time. If I call you Uncle Phil because <laughs> I knew your nephews <laughs> in school. Uncle Phil, sorry, it's in uh, the Prince of Bel-Air, no? Is that Uncle Phil? I think yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Look That's at this. He comes me. from France to school me in American pop culture. I love it. You're right. Never even thought of that. Fresh Prince. All right. Hey, maybe I'm yeah. a little hipper or square. Right. I'm not sure which way too, that goes. So that's good. But I know y- you appreciate the the hands-on approach. I mean, you, you have a family business. Your family works with you. I know at least one of your daughters is yeah. in the business with you. Hi, Heather. Hi, Heather. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I can see how that would appeal to you, having a little smaller boutique barrel house to represent because you do get out and touch your clients and I don't mean that in a weird way I mean you go out and you as you said <laughs> grip and grin you know <laughs> so you could actually you know hand sell these barrels I'm sure sure and, and then be able to have that relationship I mean we're small we probably sell a total of about 5,000 barrels a year there are cooperages huge who sell 20,000 mm. or, or 30,000 barrels a year and that's all well and good but I really like I know almost every client we have personally right. and do that and it's nice for me that way I mean it's certainly it's a good business you can make a decent living in it I make no excuses for that but at the same time it's a really satisfying business because when you call somebody who's a client they're almost always friends and yeah that makes it so much easier Isn't that so, nice yeah well you too and Judd's Hill same way 
Yeah, we, we, we pride ourselves on really getting to know uh, who's coming in the door, either who we're making wine for or, you know, who are our regular folks that come into the tasting yeah. room and buy the wine. Okay, so you have this partnership with Marshi. You obviously must love the wood or you wouldn't represent it because you're a no BS kind of guy. So what is it about the Marchive barrel, you know, from both sides of the spectrum? Why do you mm-hmm. think, Julian, it's such a great barrel? You can give me, like, the general view, then we can get detailed. Okay. And then I'll figure, you know, what has the response been uh, here in the Valley that the people at Phil knows? But, Julian, what? Yeah. Give, give me the, give yeah, me the company can... spiel. Like, why? Yeah. Why Marchive? <laughs> My commercial speech. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is your chance. Okay. Marchive, first of all, as I said before, a um, small company close to, to its uh, users, to the winemakers. Mm-hmm. My job, my main job is to, uh, is to follow up all the, the, the people who, who use my, my casks, my barrels. And um, so I, I have to do tastings with them and everything. And that's the thing that they like, um, to be very close. If they tell me that, oh, okay, this uh, barrel brings me to too much um, grilled aromas, too much uh, spice aromas, and I need something that respects more the wine and, and so on. So I can, I be, I'm very close with him, and I can change a few things for the next vintage. And that's the thing people like with, uh, with Marshif, this, um, these relationships we, uh, we installed from the beginning. And then also, um, talking about the quality of our products, uh, we are one of the cooperages who buys 100% of our oak, uh, our French oak, uh, from the French government by, mm. by auctions. And we are one of the um, biggest buyers also. And Why is that important? Uh, it's very important to, uh, to buy by the French government uh, because you could buy by private uh, owners of forest, but the French government in makes a kind of culture of the of the oak and uh, of the oak trees, and it brings um, more quality to the to the trees than uh, the private way of uh, of growing them. Uh, All right, interesting. I've I've heard and I know that many of the barrels that we've gotten in the past, they you know they're stamped with the name of of the cooperage. Well, the mm-hmm. cooperage, but the forest. Oh, the forest. Yes, the forest. Yeah. So this makes a big difference. It makes a very big difference, yes. Just which forest the trees come from. Yeah, it's... You want to talk about that? I mean, does the yeah, government yeah. have one forest, or do they have forests no. throughout? No, they, they have many forests, mainly in the center of France, just a few kilometers uh, down to Paris, just mm-hmm. to, uh, to locate the, the place, also in the east of France. <laughs> and then there are some, some forests, like uh, it's like in, in the wine. You have some terroirs that makes better wine than others, okay. and it's the same with... Uh, with the with the um, oak trees, some f- with the forests, you can find some forests uh, where the trees uh, grows uh, slower, and the the slower a, t- a tree grows, the best it is then for the wine because the oak of the the, the tannins of the oak of the trees uh, will be uh, thinner and more subtle. Oh, really? That's very important to. Uh, I had to never heard that. Yeah. So you get the softer tannins from the slow growth. Exactly. Trees. It's it brings some. Uh, we call it the the, the tight grain uh, staves mm-hmm. uh, for tight grain uh, barrels. And we also have medium grain or, or big grain staves. Big grain are used for uh, brandies, cognac, and things like this. And does that allow more breathing, more evaporation? More breathing, exactly, and brings more uh, tannins, oak tannins, mm. also uh, that the brandy needs uh, to 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 age. Uh, but on the contrary, the wine needs very subtle, very thin uh, aromas and uh, thin tannins also to uh, to be aged for a few months in uh, in uh, inside. Uh, so, all right, I do have to take a break, but I'm really intrigued yeah. by this. I want to talk more about wood and the flavors and why wood is important to wine. But let's do that right after the break. I'm here with Phil Burton of Barrel Builders in Napa Valley and Julian Itos from Marchive in France. How do you like that? All the way. Uh, the barrel uh, company over there. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley Show right after these messages. La, 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 la. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live in Portland, Oregon at KVON.com, we're back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Portland, Oregon, hey? That's right. Why Portland? Uh, just some random guess. Why not? It's a nice place. It is. I've been up there. Things are happening in Portland. Yeah. But it's true. Anywhere, anybody can get an internet connection, and they can reach KVON.com. 
They can stream this show live every Tuesday morning. Or they can go to the, uh, not to give them too much of a plug, but the Apple iTunes store and search for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And the past episodes are there as podcast forms. Now I'm going to do something totally expected and cheeseball. Ready? Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. Yes, indeed. It's the beer barrel polka. And why are we doing that? It should be the wine barrel polka today. Because we have got two luminaries in the world of barrels. <laughs> Luminary, I like Yes, we are having a barrel of fun today. We've got Phil Burton from Barrel Builders Napa Valley, Julian Itos from Marshiv Barrel. Uh, what is the official name? I know Marshiv Barrels, but what is the official name of the company? Uh, it's Tonnerie Marshiv. There you go, from France. From France. In Bordeaux. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you for being here. This is great having you. We were talking about wood before mm-hmm. we went to the break. Phil, you had some comments you wanted to make about yeah, the wood um, as well? Yeah, initially, just my take on wood, and Julian can disagree with me a little bit, but back hundreds of several, I mean, obviously wooden containers have been used since Roman times for yeah. things and, and it various, but as far as wine goes, way back when, oak from the north of Hungary, where the Carpathian Mountains run like a spine across the middle of Europe. And the north of Hungary is up in the Carpathian Mountains. And oak from there, there's a couple of forests, if you're familiar with all the Zemplen Forest is probably the most famous. And back, the demand for wine beers, this was considered the finest oak in the world. And back, it was had to be, de- it was declared by the Empress of Hungary to, that it must be sustainably managed back in like 1785 or something like that. Far predating any other wow. f- sustainable forestry no practices. Kidding. And I think it was really when the First World War cut off supply that... Pardon me, Julian. That the French made a virtue of necessity, and French oak became the de facto standard for barrels. Yes. And if I can go on my soapbox a little Please. bit here, That's for many at. years there were there's a couple of areas, and most of the forest areas are named after local cities like Nevers mm-hmm. or Allier. Right. Um, and do that. And so they were sort of areas where the terroir seemed to have some identifying marks. But unfortunately, some of the Coopers decided to make push this further. And all of a sudden, there's like 20 forests. You know, the Tronce Forest, for instance, that considered the tightest grain, is really just a corner of the Allier Forest up in the sort of northeast corner. And typically, the soils are fairly poor there, a little more elevation. The climate it tends to be tighter grained. Hmm. But if you get a south-facing slope or a little swale with some good quality earth in it, Tronce wood can be as open as wood from, you know, the south of France mm-hmm. even. And so what most people have done to now, and the cooperages are going to, are, are instead of doing forest designation, going to a grain tightness designation. It's much easier to repeat. Exactly. And all you have to do is look at the ends of the staves in a barrel. So, I, I mean, you, you, it's very easy to tell. So you know if somebody's cheating or not. Gotcha. That's so. A- a little protection for the consumer, it yeah. sounds like. But, you know, the wood, there's this similar species grow. Just digressing again a little bit, there are about 600 species of oaks in the world. And they can be roughly divided into the red oak group and the white oak group. The white oak group are the only ones used in barrel production because of the, the a little thing called tyloses that grow in the grain to keep wine or water or liquids from sort of wicking up the capillary action up mm-hmm. through these through these things. And then I think in Europe and Asia, um, there's several species used in Europe and do that a couple of principal species. And then the oaks grow all the way over. Um, there's Quercus sinensis, a Chinese oak, and it's used in barrels a little bit. One of the problems is that I'm fond of saying oaks are notorious whores because they interbreed and hybridize so freely in most places it's very difficult to find pure stands. As a matter of fact, if you want to do a vineyard development here in the Napa Valley now, you have to get somebody tree expert out to look at it. Mm. And he'll say, oh, part of that Quercus is the genus. He'll say, part of this is Quercus gariana. No, and you say, no, it's just Valio, Quercus lobata. It's called, no, they're hybrid mixes. And you could be denied a permit, you know, or you make it make life much more difficult for you if it's Gariana, which is very scarce down here. Oh, no so it's, it's really a complicated world. And, and it, unfortunately, we've made it more complicated, you know, everybody trying to sort of 
say they have something better than everyone else, but Julian can talk about the typical species used in France. Yeah, it's absolutely mind-boggling to me, just in winemaking in general, how many factors can affect flavor from, obviously, the grapes, and yes. then you mentioned terroir. You know, where are the grapes grown? What mm -hmm. variety? What clone are they? What type of yeast are you using can affect the flavor? And, of course, the type of oak. And now, you know, we're understanding today that it's almost endless within oak how many flavor components yeah. there are. It's incredible how many flavors oak can bring to a wine. And it, it mainly depends on how you toast your, uh, your barrel, how my Cooper's toast the barrel. Right. You can have a very light toast, <clears throat> a medium, a, me a medium plus, or a high toast. And regarding the type of toast you choose from, for example, the light toast, you have some aromas of cocoa or vanilla. Mm -hmm. Uh, then if you go for a medium or medium plus toast, you you start to have some grilled uh, aromas or um, baked, uh, like uh, bread or things like this. Um, some milky aromas also. Milky. Uh, yeah, it's very soft and um, very interesting also to, to help the structure of the wine, to uh, surround the structure of the wine. And then the more uh, you toast your, uh, your barrel, uh, the more grilled, um, burnt tannin um, aromas you, uh, you you will reach, and also some spicy aromas. Uh, and then the more you toast, the more grilled and spicy aromas you'll have. So you can choose uh, regarding the type of wine you, you want to have, mm -hmm. the toast you're going to choose. That's, it's, it's, again, it boggles my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, and it's really cool to watch the process if anybody is, hasn't ever seen this. You can probably get on Google and search, you know, barrel toasting, look at some images and videos um, yeah. how that happens. Now, you brought here, obviously the radio audience can't see this, but you brought three barrel staves. It looks like some little mini planks of wood. One is quite light color, looks, you know, pretty natural wood color. The middle one looks like it might have been toasted a bit. And then the third one is not completely black, but it looks like it's quite charred. You want to tell me what each of these represents that you brought here? Yes. So, so the first one you talked about is a, a very light toast, uh, which bring the the premium aromas of the of the oak, the natural aromas, which are uh, cocoa. Mm -hmm. uh, it's located, and that is a technical term, uh, through the methyloctalactone, which is oh. uh, the molecule uh, in the in the in the oak. Uh, and this molecule, when we burn it, uh, transform itself into different types of aro of aromas. Mm -hmm. But the first is uh, cocoa. And then the and second. What do, you see, what do you see a lot of winemakers, either here or in France, uh, using that for? The light toast wine. What do you see them the, putting in Yeah, that? the light, mainly they use this type of toast for uh, white wines. Uh, or I would say for um, fragile wines. For um, wines with medium body or a light body because it doesn't bring too many um, too many aromas doesn't destroy the wine yeah it's not going to overpower, yeah, the, overpower exactly. the varietal characteristic with the oak that's okay. right and you can use uh, bigger bigger toasts uh, with uh, for example here uh, a big cab with big tannins big structure uh -huh. it will uh, very much uh, digest the the oak and uh, in the toast also uh, so it's a matter of wine and barrel and just to find the best combination between both and that's part of my job with the winemaker so uh, it's, that's why i was talking before with, about this close uh, relationship we have with the with the winemakers which is important oh absolutely mm -hmm. i think that's fantastic you do get out there and do consult and they have access to you to kind of create so you must always be developing new barrel types barrel exactly. How, how much innovation can there be in a barrel? I mean, these things have been made for thousands of yeah. years, as you said, Phil, back to Roman days. I mean, what, what's left to innovate? Uh, actually, for the last 10, uh, ten years, um, we saw the, um, the way of aging wine in barrels uh, changing a little. Um, 10 years ago, 10 to 15 years ago, people wanted some very oaky flavors, very that you could feel the, the oak inside the yeah. inside your wine. And now it's changing. The, um, the first place is for the wine now so the, the, the winemakers want the wine to be enhanced by the by the barrel but not uh, dominated and that's right. why we we've been working for uh, the last five six years uh, on a barrel with a very light toast um, so we reduce very much the temperature of the open fire we use for it 
but we doubled the time of, of toasting, which enables, in a way, the toast to go very deep inside the heart of the staves. A slow roasted S- barrel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and never. Sounds delicious. <laughs> and we call this toast uh, not light or medium or medium plus or high. We call it respect. Respect. Respect toast because um, its main goal is to respect the wine and just. Oh, I love it! Great. Help to uh, to put the wine in first position, uh, like uh, it's like salt in a in a plate. If you don't put enough salt, the the plate can be um, not to not good enough. And if you put just the right uh, amount of salt. Absolutely. No, salt is a great flavor enhancer, but just a little too much, and you've ruined the dish. Exactly. So, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely good analogy. Mm-hmm. All right, that sounds like it'd be right up my alley. I'd love to check out one of these respect barrels. Our mm-hmm. our philosophy at, at Judd Sill when we make wine is we really want the varietal characteristic, the, the grape to show through. Yes. But I do love to have some, you know, subtle characteristics of the wood as well. So yeah. I'm interested. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. They, come come they, see me, Phil. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> these respect barrels. Actually, I'm going to go see your winemaker, Ken, I think, afterwards if okay. he's around. But, you know, a, c- a couple of points about barrels, and I think this is partly the fault, or fault, whatever, uh, of the things like uh, Spectator, uh, Jim Lobby, and, and people like that, they, they had a view of the wines they wanted that really held sway for years. I mean, Chardonnays that were very, very oaky and tannic and stuff. I, I have a California palate, you know, for better or for worse. And so I sort of like these ones, but it's true that it did overpower the fruit and a lot of them. You know what I'm ta- the wines I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, and there's been a great uh, consumer rebound kind of against that. It seems now, to me that a lot of folks are yeah. looking for the, at least for the white wines, you know, Chardonnay, the unoaked or the very light. Very light. I, th- I think that the oak should add attributes to the wine, bring yes. the fruit forward. But if you can taste the oak, it's too much. <clears throat> You know, the barrel should be in the, in the background so much that you're really barely discernible at all at best. And otherwise, it's just a supporting role. I think right. that's the that's status now. What do you guys think about um, non-barrel wood additives such as chips, staves? Mm-hmm. Is that what these are, these little What it, what it is, just, to, just in brief, a barrel does three things. It, it's a holds a volume of wine, so it's a right. container. It ages, ages and breathes the wine. And with care, it'll do those things for decades. But the third thing, the imparting of the oak flavors and aromas and, you know, the adding to the structure of the wine disappears after a couple of years. So after about four years, the barrel will do the first two things, but it, it'll be neutral. Right. Or that. So then there's several things you can do. You can shave it. You can do this. Or these are insert pieces, and we do thousands of these a year. What we do is take one end out of the barrel, put a framework of these slats of different toasts. You see light, medium, and heavy here. Mm-hmm. The winemaker can dial in exactly what he wants, and we put a framework of slats in it, enough so it, it about approximates the surface area of the inside of the barrel. Mm-hmm. So actually, we're putting the wood in the wine rather than the wine in the wood here. Got it. And do that. So, And that's big. And then, of course, there's chips. Uh, and you're okay dust. with this. I mean, being a barrel maker, you're still okay with having a I would say no, <laughs> no. I mean, I, I love barrels. I love the shape. I love making them. I, I just think they're so the romance of it is still stuck with me. But the reality of the situation is, if you're buying a fifteen dollar Chardonnay and it's got an oaky character to it, it didn't come from a nine hundred or thousand dollar French oak barrel. No, of course not. I mean, course. it's just not possible. I would add something. It's sometimes and more often dedicated to um, to certain types of of wine and uh, often. Um, the, I would I would say the low quality. Not low quality is not a good world, but the uh, wine that you can drink easily and uh, and quick. Not Ordinaire. wine that you age for right. a long the time in your wine, cellar. Yeah. yeah, everyday wine. So it's another type of product that suits rather well with barrel because it's it's dedicated to different types of wines. Okay, I think. Is there? You mentioned the respect barrel is a new mm-hmm. thing. Is there some wild, futuristic ideas in the world of barrels coming down? Like if I go to Disneyland, Tomorrowland, and I go to the, <laughs> well, the future of barrels exhibit, I mean, what am I going to see? One of, the, one of the things is a proliferation of toasts. As you noted, you see different toasts sort of increase or decrease different attributes coming out of the wood and do that. And there's I had several companies out now who have, what, maybe 20, 30, 40 profiles. There's one company who's got so many, they number them instead of name them. You know, oh, you're for Chardonnay, do you want 307 or 315 or something? So I think we're running this a little <laughs> past maybe where we should. You know, you have cold climate series of barrels and warm climate and medium. Anyway, it's... 
Yeah, it's what the winemaker wants. I guess so. The more, the more, um, I guess, paints on the palate, um, the more control the winemaker has over flavors. But again, coming as a, coming at it as a winemaker myself, I've, sometimes it's nice to not have so many choices. (laughs) Does that sound crazy? Like have a freedom of choice? As I said, my mind is boggled already by how many factors there are in um, affecting wine flavor that what you just described to me, Phil, it's, it, it, it made my head hurt mm-hmm. a little no, bit. No, I, I mean, there's so many factors in making wine. And, you know, and the other thing, you can't get it down to numbers really anyway. For instance, wine and grapes, every year the vineyard is different. Every year the flavors will be a little different. Of course. Every tree is a little bit different. You know, the toasting is a little bit. I mean, there's so many variables to try to say, you know, I want A, B, C. Yeah, you can't no, work you on can't a formula. Do that. No. Which is, I think, what makes wine just eternally intriguing to not only consumers, but to the people also in the industry of making it like ourselves, it never will be the same. And every year you got to work with it and you have to be creative and you have to be involved and you have to be intimate with it, either in the production of it Mm -hmm. or in the consuming of it, you know, just because you liked, I hate to use my wine as an example, because I think every year is a fabulous (laughs) and it is in its own right. But, but every year is going to be a little different. Even if I pick the grapes, you know, from the same vineyard, you know, at the same sugar level and put it you know, ferment with the same strain of yeast and put it in one of your Marchive medium mm-hmm. toast Nevers barrels, you know, something like that. That wine's still going to be very different. Yeah, there yeah. And that's exciting. It's a natural thing. I think that's it cool. Is. It's well, a natural thing. Yes. Absolutely. You can't just manufacture. You, exactly. You can only guide it along. Exactly. And that's what makes it interesting also and uh, interesting to me and mm-hmm. very exciting. I, I've, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I do a lot of travel. We sell all over the U.S. So you know, after this show here, I'll be down in Texas doing their wine trade show. Then I'll be down in Paso Robles doing their show. Then I'll be up in Oregon and Washington uh, doing some stuff. And it's just fascinating. And then Virginia, we sell a lot of barrels in Virginia. Oddly enough, wine. Even yeah, I sold a whole container industry. of French oak barrels. You know, one of those big shipping getting full of French oak to a winery in Maine. Wow. This last year. So anyway, all over, and as you travel around, you see Cabernet from here is totally unlike Cabernet here or, you know, other places and stuff. And it's fun to see the resurgence. I think I have from 1972, I have the, the directory of wineries in the U.S. Yeah. It weighs about eight ounces, and it's about this thick. The one that comes out now is, uh, God, it makes the New York City phone book look small. Sure, it's like over mm-hmm. a pound. About, and no, I think it weighs 5.2. Five. I, oh I measured this actually a while back when it came out. It was over five pounds. Well, every state has commercial <laughs> wine business now. Uh, you guys, you know, we've talked a lot about different types of barrels and you know what's happening here and what's happening in France. But I've, I've got to ask you, because this is weighing, been weighing heavy on me. Wasn't sure how to approach it at this point, but... I don't know, we're all buddies here. But I got to know, both of you, mm-hmm. do you go nuts for donuts? <laughs> here we oh, go. here it comes uh-huh. again. I'll get this. We got the donuts back, Jeff. Buttercream. Yeah, they were closed last night. Have a look there. There is a nice Whoa. box of donuts. Uh, if you wouldn't uh, mind, oh. each of you. And you can take one now. You can eat it later, whatever. But uh, select I'll take a piece of it, sure. Select. Okay. Well, I'll trade. I got some from Model Bakery in San Francisco. Excuse me. How should I pronounce those? Croissant. Thank you very much. You brought some of those. Okay. Phil's already tucked into a chocolate old-fashioned. No sense wasting time. What type of... What what forest and what toast would uh, go with that donut right there? And Julie, now why don't you pick one of those two? You don't yeah. have to eat it right now. You can save it for later. But I think I think a pinot would go really nicely with this. A pinot, yeah, pinot a big, heavily, fairly aged heavily bodied in pinot. What type of uh, wood? Oh boy, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say medium toasted. You know, there's an interesting thing. Pinot noir is a case in point. It wasn't too many years ago where most of the barrels sold for Pinot Noir were pretty much medium plus toast. And all the people like that little smoky note to them. And yeah. now I think uh, it's largely been gone away from. The Pinots are cleaner, more fruit, less wood, less impact from the it's barrel. It's a very delicate fruit. Okay, Julian, you picked... Oh, boy. Okay. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed mm-hmm. because I love the crumb donut from Buttercream. <laughs> okay. It's a delicious donut. That's what you got there. But in your honor, uh-huh. I two of those were what they call there on the shelf fancy French. Oh, there's the fancy which... French glaze and fancy French chocolate, and you didn't ah. pick either. Are you not that fancy of a French person? Or ah. no, you don't have to answer that. Um, <laughs> okay, so with with that crumb donut, which is one of yeah. my favorites, there. What do you think? What what would you be uh, drinking, and out of what barrel? Oh, um, I first have to taste it before uh, Go knowing. For it. So um, just taste it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh-huh. 
okay? With a glass of um, muscat, muscat. Know, muscat, yeah, a little bit um, sugar mm-hmm. inside can be can be nice. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. And now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show. This is Madlib. That's right. You guys know how this works. <laughs> Julian, I asked you ahead of time. You said you even understood what Madlibs is. So I'm glad to know that this popular party game has made its way to France. We're just going to jump right in. We're getting short on time. And either of you can pop in with uh-huh. answers. Go ahead. I need a geographic location. Okay. Um, I just got back from vacation in the Cook Islands. Atutaki. Aitutaki, well, way down in the South Pacific. Okay, cool. Aitutaki, never been there. We'll talk about it off there because I'm really interested. A verb ending in ing. Mm, ending in ing. Yes. Drinking. Drinking. Mm-hmm. I like it. That's what I like doing. Yeah, me too. You're a good company. <laughs> Hang around for the beer show coming on right after. Let's go. Okay, a field of study, something you might be able to study at a school or. Um, I would say. Mushroomology. Mushroomology. I love it. As a mushroom a, hunter. You are I, a I think we call it mycology yeah. here, but anyway, mush, like, mushroomology like mushroom sounds mushroom good. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> what kind of mushrooms you're hunting. A plural noun. Oh, boy. If my wife's listening, horses. Horses. She, she lives is. and dies for horses. She is a horsewoman. That is right. Famously so. A plural noun. Another plural noun. Another animal one. Uh, turtles. Turtles. Down at Lake Hennessy on Sunday, I photographed some turtles from just a couple of feet away. Oh, Great cool. stuff. Out on your kayak? Yeah. Okay. An adjective. A descriptor. You, you work in yeah. these every day. Um, I can choose mine. Okay. Yes. I would say bizarre. Bizarre. Come say bizarre. I like that. Bizarre be, <laughs> being on hair here for me. <laughs> very good. But it's nice. very nice experience. How about cool. a year? A year. A year. Um, I'm French. Um... 1789. Oh, the year of the revolution. Yeah. Okay, 1789. <laughs> and finally, one more adjective. Smelly. Perfect, <laughs> smelly. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Who knows? But here's what happened. Earlier today, I looked up some information about both of you. Mm-hmm. For better or worse, most everything I found about you, Julian, was in French, so I wasn't able to use it because I don't speak French. But what I did find was some biographical information about Uncle Phil here on the Barrel Builders website, which is, can you give the website real quick? Uh, BarrelBuilders.com. That's it. So this is your bio, which the two of you have just rewritten via this (laughs) Mad Libs game. Here we go. Phil Burton is the owner of Barrel Builders Napa Valley. Born and raised in the hills of Aitutaki in the Cook Islands, (laughs) and this is you speaking, I came out to San Diego to attend college where I majored in drinking <laughs> with a minor in mushroomology. Very cool. Now here's your a bit about finding Napa Valley. You said, I was vaguely headed to Alaska to get lost with horses. <laughs> so maybe that's how you found uh, your wife, love of horses. That works. <laughs> when I came across Napa Valley and got hooked, I needed a job. Making turtles looked like fun, <laughs> and I started hanging around barrel builders until they gave me a job as a bizarre cooper. Oh. <laughs> That was 1789, and I've been working with barrels and tanks ever since. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. (laughs) Phil is also a smelly member of the Pope Valley Volunteer Fire Department. Thank you for your service here. Thank you both for being with us, talking barrels with Phil Burton of Barrel Builders, Julian Itos of Marshiv. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank Thank you you very much. That's great. Pleasure to us. And this is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show. A Gil Lamar production. That's Napa Valley Show.